Chapter 22, Opposites To Blue's delight, Tumble became a regular at the Montgomery House as May turned into June. She still wouldn't admit to having a fate of her own, but Blue knew better. Even if Tumble's talent wasn't heroism, there would be something else. Something it took a while for people to figure their fates out. It had taken his grandmother decades. In the meantime, Tumble had called a temporary halt to their attempts to turn him into a winner. She wanted to work out a truly foolproof plan this time. It's no good if you die trying to beat fate. You've damaged an eye and a leg already, she set her jaw. Next time, nobody's getting hurt. Caution keeps away casualties, said Blue. You're reading the book, Tumble whooped and punched his shoulder. That's from chapter one. Blue wasn't sure how much further he could stand to go and how to hero every day. Even though Maximal Star's advice seemed okay, his stories were a little too amazing. But he wasn't about to tell Tumble that. While they waited for the foolproof plan to come out of hiding, the two of them kept a close eye on the other Montgomerys, timed themselves running up and down the road, and tried to make the attic more livable. One morning, Tumble found a vent hidden under one of the boxes, and when they opened it, cool wind blew their hair out of their faces. Air conditioning, said Tumble. Shifting yet another mountain of cardboard revealed a carving. It was on the wall opposite the window, and they had to crouch under the low roof to get a good look at it. It was smaller than the one over the front door of the house, and instead of two people shaking hands, it showed only Almira Lafayette. Her face was harsh, with a sharp triangle for her nose. She was standing in a patch of reeds. The word... Follow was carved into them. Two crescent moons had been cut into the wood, one above her head and another beneath the reeds. Almira's, Almira was pointing at the bottom one. That's weird, said Blue. Why is it just her? Why are there two moons? Tumble traced the carving with his finger. Hidden in the attic, the image felt like a clue. Just not, just not one they needed. Some of the other Montgomerys had already guessed that following the red sickle moon was part of the trick, like chasing a rainbow to a pot of gold at the end. But Mom Myrtle swore there was more to it than that, so the battle for her approval was still on. Telescopes dotted the backyard now, courtesy of relatives who were hoping to spot the faintest hint of crimson on the moon. Waning crescent moons for three more days, Blue told Tumble. He'd gotten very good at reading the lunar calendar scattered throughout the house. Then the new moon, then waxing crescents for a few more days, and then no more crescent moons until the very end of the month. After, after Mom Myrtle's gone, said Tumble. Blue nodded. You do think Mom Myrtle will tell someone how to get the new fate, don't you? Before she dies? I think so, Blue said. She's not evil. Just, she'll draw it out, I think, to make sure none of them ever forget about her. They would certainly never do that. As her death date approached, Mom Myrtle refused to slow down. There were late-night dancing contests. There were bake-offs instead of breakfasts. She'd even woken the whole house up once for a midnight poetry slam. That afternoon, when she called all of the relatives out onto the porch to entertain her, Tumble and Blue took advantage of the rare chance to sit at the kitchen table without half a dozen Montgomery surrounding them. They talked about ways to break Blue's fate. Writing wild idea after wild idea down in the notebook, Tumble had started to carry in her emergency backpack. When Eve came in to get started on supper, she poured them each a glass of iced tea. Do y'all need a snack, she asked, pulling a leftover Coca-Cola ham out of the refrigerator. 
You can help yourselves to anything. I'm sending the twins to the grocery store again tomorrow. The telephone rang. Eve set the ham on the counter and stepped over to pluck the phone off the wall. Hello? A second later, her free hand went to her hip. Well, she said, look who's decided to make time for the rest of us. Blue jumped up so quickly that his chair would have overturned if Tumble hadn't caught it. His dad. It had to be. He had left so many messages, and his dad couldn't be that busy watching the races. He reached for the phone. Eve used her elbow to nudge him back an inch so that she wouldn't be talking into his hair. Yes, he's here, she said. Yes, well enough, all things considered. But, Alan, the way you've been behaving... Dad! Blue said loudly. Hi, Dad, I'm right here. Eve shot him a quelling look that did not did nothing to quell him. He was an instant away from trying to make another grab for the phone when she sighed and handed it to him. Dad, said Blue. Hey. Hi there, Skeeter. It sounded almost like his dad was calling him from a swimming pool. Blue could hear splashing in the background and lots of voices. Sorry I haven't called in a few days. Just busy with things over here. What things? Racing. All of it. You know. Blue didn't. Not really. But at least they were talking. I got my cast off. Hey, said his dad. I forgot that was coming up. Way to go. How's the arm? Good. It's nice that it doesn't itch anymore. Glad to hear it. You'll be back to your old self in no time. Blue knew he didn't mean anything by it, but still. His old self? His not good enough self? About that, he said. I think you'll be pretty surprised when you come to pick me up. Twelve minutes, Blue thought. He ran to the sign every morning. He was getting faster, and usually Tumble kept him company. I've made friends with the girl from next door. Hi, Blue's dad, Tumble shouted toward the phone. Blue grinned. That's her, and the two of us were working on my fate. Eve had been getting a knife to cut up the Coca-Cola ham. She slammed the drawer with her backside and raised both eyebrows at Blue. His dad's voice was suddenly uncomfortable. I never asked you to... No, it's good, said Blue. By the time you get all of the racing stuff figured out, I'll be... Is your granny listening in? His dad demanded. She's cutting up a ham. I told you not to mention the racing to her, he said, his voice rising. When I dropped you off, wasn't that one of the things I told you? He had. Blue had forgotten. I... Sorry, I didn't mean to. Let me talk to her. No, said Blue. He grabbed the old phone's spiraling cord as if it could hold his dad on the line. Not yet. I needed to tell you. Let me talk to her. What are you so mad about? Blue crushed the phone's cord in his hand. His eyes stung, but he wouldn't let them do more than that. Not in front of Tumble and his grandmother. Why does it matter if Granny Eve knows? Blue, his dad said. I'm telling you, I want to talk to your granny right now. Blue breathed fast. He tried to understand why his dad was so angry. It was such a little mistake, Granny Eve. His grandmother was chopping the ham with a fury that implied that the pig had done something to offend her. Tumble was watching them both wide-eyed, her glass of tea halfway to her mouth. Blue swallowed to steady his voice. Dad wants to talk to you. His grandmother plunged the knife into the ham and stomped over. You didn't do a thing wrong, Blue, she said in a crisp voice as she took the phone. This is just an old pot that's finally decided to boil over. Then into the phone she said, Alan, after what happened last time, how could you? Her lips narrowed. Well, maybe you don't have to explain yourself to me, and you obviously won't explain yourself to your own boy. 
She drew in a long breath that pulled her shoulders back and made her chest swell. So why don't you try talking to your own darn self? She slapped the phone back onto the wall. Blue took a step back. Eve was glaring at, glaring at the phone as if daring it to ring. Tumble set her glass on the table. Hey, she said in a strained voice. Hey, Blue, let's go upstairs. I've, I've just had the best idea about that carving up there. Tumble hadn't had any kind of idea about a carving, but she would make something up when they reached the attic. She talked as fast as she could, all the way upstairs, hoping to distract Blue from whatever had gone wrong. She had been able to hear Blue's dad shouting at him, though not well enough to understand what he was saying. And his grandmother? Tumble had never seen her that mad, not even when the relatives spilled green paint down the grand staircase. Not even when someone threw a croquette mallet through one of the windows. So Tumble was rambling on and on about Maximal Star, and she was thinking how unfair it was that someone like Maximal couldn't be born with a powerful gift, and someone like Blue's dad could, when the answer they'd been looking for all this time hit her like a croquette mallet to the head. She actually tripped. If Blue hadn't grabbed the back of her t-shirt, she would have smashed her face into the attic's tips. Are you okay? He sounded deflated to Tumble and defeated. Defeat was the most dangerous emotion during a crisis, and Tumble didn't have time for it. She shook him off and dashed up the last few stairs, excitement making her floaty. She spun around when she reached the top and looked down at him with her arms spread wide. Blue, I've got it. Opposites. What? The Montgomery Fates. Some of them are opposites. He blinked up at her. Your dad wins, Tumble said impatiently. You lose. I know. Blue's shoulder slumped. Blue! She slapped her arms at him. Don't you get it? What would happen if you and your dad were a team?